0: Another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24 7 Sports Network. It is Michigan State Week for the Miami Hurricanes, and on Through the Smoke, we always respect our opponent. So we want to learn more about the Spartans, and we are bringing on Andrew Bell of the Press Quarters podcast. Andrew, on his own, went on the Through the Smoke message board, and basically said, hey, I, I want to mix it up with you guys in a good way. He was very respectful, <laughs> came at it right, and said, uh, if you guys want to know anything about Michigan State, I'm here to answer questions. Um, and he did a great job. So I PM'd him on the website and got him on the podcast here to give the listeners of Through the Smoke a better understanding of what they will see when Michigan State takes the field against Miami this Saturday. So Andrew, thank you for joining the podcast. Tell us, I guess, a little bit, you know, I, I assume you're a Michigan state alum, right? Tell us about your your uh, your fandom of the Spartans and, uh, you know, all that good stuff.
1: Well, first I, I want to say thank you for inviting me on. Um, I've been, uh, our, our board was a uh, independent website until 24 seven came along and, um, we have, you know, another uh, probably 15 years of history before we joined 24 seven sports. Um, one of the nicest things about the network is the ability to go on the other team sites. And I've been a, a moderator and a writer for the site from time to time. Now I, now I do a podcast, um, with another member of the site, just as, as just for kind of fun. Um, and it, I've always, just kind of taking it upon myself to go on the opponent's board before the game and say, Hey, if you have questions about state, let me know. I, I always found it was, I enjoyed the games more and more if I knew right about what was to be expected. Hey, who is number five? Why is right. there a good number five on offense and defense? Like you, like Miami has. So um, that's, uh, that's kind of the genesis of that. Um, as far as my, my fandom um, I fortunately come from a, a line of spartans my father's a spartan my there you go I have, I have two aunts that are spartans i have uncle that are spartans i have cousins my sister uh all on down the line so um went to got to state in 2001 um right at the uh the end of Izo's first uh trifecta nice. of final fours yeah i missed i missed that it was the next year <laughs> and unfortunately and um Got unfortunately I was there for probably the worst period of Spartan football in quite a while. 01 through 05, where we had one win over Michigan and one bowl win <laughs> in over five <laughs> seasons, Bobby Williams into John L Smith. But, um, you know, afterwards I, I ended up going to moving to Chicago and, uh, started grad school here and as it's kind of a hobby because I was broke, couldn't really go out much. I started doing some writing for the board and, um, some uh, some coaches were kind enough that, that were on our board to take me under their wing, kind of show me how you know, really help understanding the sport not just from a, a fan perspective. And as I as I began to appreciate more of how how the game is played, the chess match, the the matchups, not just oh he got smoked, you know, or something right. on and so forth, or oh it lit up, or whatever the case, oh he got burned or. You know, big play. You know, actually understanding. Oh, you know, this. You know, the motion brought the linebacker out of spit. He took two steps the wrong way. The cutback lane was open, etc. Um, I, I just, I love it. I, it's, it's my hobby. So I ended sure. up, um, you know, I, I end up wanting to know more about the opponent. And then, obviously, since I follow state closely, uh, figure fair exchange of information is only uh, only appropriate. So I got to say, um, I've had some some great receptions. I've had some some poor. <laughs> poor receptions from opposing fan bases uh miami's fan base has been i mean honestly i'm not just saying that it i'm on here really good i mean it's good. been really like i wish i was able to go to the game i think it would be really fun to, to hang out with some of y'all so it's a um, good time it is yeah or well, so i'm told I've never been to miami <laughs> i know i know how can i call myself an american but um, <laughs> uh, especially with covid now and I, no, i'm a kid i can't can't really get down there but um it was uh, really interesting to see your your squad because um, sometimes in these early big game matchups, big because it's two power five teams. I mean, I think you're, you're 24th on the in the poll, State's 29th if you look at the sure. also receiving votes. Relatively close. It's, de- it's, like, it's supposed to be at least a decent game. Um, oftentimes, most years you, you play a couple cupcakes and then you have your big non conference game. Um, well, your cupcake had a grenade in it in, in, in right. Alabama, which is look, look, states played Alabama twice under Mark right. Antonio. And I think the combined score is like 86 to seven or something. I mean, so there's it, no, no shame in that. Um, so and at Appalachian State, take the name aside is probably, like we said, a top 40 team, certainly top 50 team. Um, that's not a you know, that's not a Youngstown State who MSU played last weekend. Um, Northwestern is probably comparable most years to that, that kind of range. So MSU at least had a decent opening opponent. So I think these teams have kind of shown their hand early in a way that you wouldn't, you don't usually get most years, which I think has added a little more to intrigue to this. And we were talking before, I'll tell you, at least before the season started, I looked at this as, as probably the no worse than the, no Easier than the third hardest game on the schedule. Uh, they have right. to travel. They have Penn state at home and then they have to go to Ohio state and let's right. be real. That's it's all a different. Yes. Ball game. Um, and so. Uh, you know, now it, it's it has as much to do with how MSU has played as, as Miami. I think the teams are more close than they were. Um, I think in our, my preseason mind. Um, so it's going to be a fun, I think it's going to yeah. be a fun afternoon.
0: Tell us about Mel Tucker right? Cause he's, he's the head man. I know last year was tough for him. You can go into that as to why, you know, the COVID year, sure. but that was even more so the case for Mel than I think any other first year head coach last year. But what have you learned about him? Maybe, you know, including these two games, what impresses you about him as the head coach?
1: Well, I, I, so the, the circumstances of his hire are, are unusual to say the least. So if anyone's been really following college football over the last 15 years, uh, Michigan State had a, a quite a resurgence under Mark D'Antonio. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator during Ohio State's 2002-2003 victory over the hurricane. Sorry about that. Um, and at Ohio State. Uh, went to Cincinnati, came to MSU as kind of a no-nonsense, you run the football, stop the run, good defense coach, uh, and really blossomed into, at one point in time, probably a top-five coach in the sport. Um, We had five 11-win seasons in six years, Um, and at one point, three three straight top-six finishes, including a Rose Bowl win, a Cotton Bowl win, um, and then a, a college football playoff appearance which was the aforementioned like 38 to seven beat down by Alabama because, because Bama uh, it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. And that was tough. Um, a few things happened down the stretch um, with the administration. We had, there was a, a top recruiting class that came in that um, a couple of kids got into trouble for um not trouble let me be let me be frank about it there was a sexual assault off campus that resulted in three of the top four players being dismissed immediately uh friction in the locker room i think things kind of uh, some things were outside of the head coach's control but um later in his career i think it was hard for him to recover from that uh and then the um Larry Nasser scandal didn't has nothing to do with the football program directly, but gutted the athletic department as well as the president. And so, when he probably could have, if he had some more institutional support and structure, probably could have course corrected. Ended up kind of ending his career with you know uh, he had a three and nine season in 2016, and then right. uh, a ten and three year kind of a bounce back. But then uh, back to back seven and six seasons where the the defense was fantastic and the offense. I mean, it was just, it was just painful. I mean, like 20, like 20 points a game painful. Right. And um, the rumor was in, I don't know what's been substantiated that he wanted to coach in 2020. And then he had a successor picked out, found out that the university had hired a search firm, um, again, this is hearsay. Um, and then because he resigned the day before National Signing Day in February of 2020, um, he had collected a like a five million dollar longevity bonus about right. two weeks, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And so everyone's like, okay, you know, he's gonna stick it out. Uh, he had famously we called shuffle the deck chairs the Titanic, if that sounds familiar. Uh, he had changed the positions, like what each coach coached right. or something, you know, the wide receiver. Yeah. And it was just it just didn't work. And unfortunately, and the recruiting had kind of fallen off. And it just started to feel like someone that had been holding on too long. And I think probably before his time because of the things that were outside of his control. Um, but I don't think he was good at handling, you know, when he, the recruiting picked up, he wasn't great. I think at handling the egos that came with that or the, or the, the, maybe the expectations um, which is, which is a skill in of itself, I think. Um, And he certainly went back to kind of overcorrected the last few classes and went for the, you know, gritty, not gritty, but the, the hardworking, someone that just makes football plays regardless of their measurables. Um, So then just to not to bury the lead, for the first time I think in eighty something years, MSU didn't have an NFL play, a player drafted. There were I think wow. it was MSU, Michigan, and like Southern Cal or something that had had a player every year for the, like a lot, you know that long time, and and the streak snapped because the the quality of athlete just wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Um, and so it, that's the backdrop. And I think anytime you have a, a, a leg, rarely does a red legendary coach go out on top. They usually hang on long enough to, you know, look at Mac Brown at Texas, right? right. And he hang, hung on, thought he could make it, kind of the talent drops off. So uh, with that backdrop, um, again, the rumor was Luke Fickle at Cincinnati was D'Antonio's choice. Everything was done but the signature on the paperwork. And at the 11th hour, he bailed. Whether it was because the board of trustees couldn't approve the contract fast enough or... Cincinnati up the ante or which is crazy because MSU has a lot of actually has a lot of money um, whatever the case may be that fell through and so they Mel Tucker was one of the three finalists uh, he was the defensive coordinator in Alabama I mean that doesn't really mean much because the, you know the Nick Saban coach rehabilitation program that they run down there um, but he wasn't you know he had had a student in the NFL he had been defensive coordinator at Ohio State he was actually the Antonio's secondary coach during the championship there Um, And he's a defensive back from Wisconsin originally. That's his, that's his background. So big 10 guy, uh, but had spent a lot of time in the SEC. Kirby smart had plucked him from Alabama to go be the defensive coordinator in Georgia. Uh, And then Colorado got him for a year. And then MSU doubled the salary. I mean, literally back to, I mean, $6 million a year off the bat, um, basically doubled the assistant pool also on top of it. Um, And I think made the coaching staff the right just a smidge right behind Penn State for the third highest paid in the in the conference Wow, I mean really really manned up and and people don't maybe don't understand that about Michigan State I mean they're a top oh, yeah 20 team in attendance in top 15 in revenue as an athletic department I mean they really there's a lot of resources right. in East Lansing I mean the stadium seats 75,000 and it's usually full to some at least ticket sales <laughs> right so anyways I know that's a lot of background but for people that haven't no, followed the team and they're thinking, who is this guy? Well, so he's a you know Saban disciple, but that's, you know, I, I don't want to bank too much on that because I think there's a lot of the the Belichick effect where this assistant's the product of the system around him. So I was actually a little wary about him because,
0: sure.
1: you know, being a Lions fan, Matt Patricia flamed out for the Lions. And um, so many of their assistants have gone on to, to kind of face plant uh, Saban, famously not. Uh, but he did in the pros, but not in the, uh, the dolphins, obviously you think, you know, about that. And, um, so, you know, you're a little hesitant to take someone on that, you know, when, when you're such part of, part of such a powerhouse, you know, right. um, is it really their coaching acumen or is it just the fact that he's got more five stars than you do four stars on his, on his team? So anyways, Tucker is known as a, um, relentless recruiter, high energy guy, um, I didn't really know much about him. Honestly. Um, I didn't even realize I don't follow Colorado football because who does and uh, nothing against the buffs, but not, haven't really made noise in 15 years. And um, so we, we were, you know, wait and see, well, he gets hired so late. COVID had started basically. He had had one week to meet the team. He didn't even have his, his assistance, right? No spring spring ball gets canceled. Um, Ends up uh, basically taking the offensive coaches from Colorado and keeping the defensive coaches from MSU. That was the, okay. that was the marriage. And then they uh, Harlan Barnett, who was the defensive coordinator at Florida state for a couple right. of years was MSU's co-defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach and a, a all big 10 player and NFL safety for MSU comes home to coach the secondary. So basically the, in that, the, the D line secondary linebacker and secondary coach with Barnett in place was basically D'Antonio's for the last like 10 okay. year plus. So, so they kept that kind of continuity from the old staff. I mean, they were all good. They're all good coaches. Sure. Mike, Mike Trestle is the linebacker coach who's now the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Um, and so Tucker brought his offensive guys and it's, and then it's kind of like, okay, what do we do? Well, they took, uh, took the tight end coach from Wisconsin, which produces good tight ends um and started making some some more moves uh with the coaches but the problem was is there was no way to evaluate the roster and that's really right that was really the genesis of the issues last year you know they went two and five um the big ten started and stopped their season so they got into fall camp that's the first time there was no organized summer conditioning uh they had a new weightlifting coach actually from img Jason Novak was the um, weightlifting coach there and he came and came to state um, and the prior regime, everyone, when someone takes over, it's, you know, the SNC is better than it's ever been before. Correct. Yep. You know, we're doing wind sprints backwards while juggling koalas or something, you right. know, something that's the next cutting edge ridiculousness. And, um, uh, but one thing that did stand out was that MSU did not have a dedicated nutrition, nutritionist on the, on the staff. And Tucker addressed that right away. Um, but they couldn't really get them in the weight room with this new, you know, weight coach situations. They everyone had to do stuff on their own. Several a, a chunk of the team got COVID, uh, whether it was announced or not. Sure. Um, and so, you come into camp and you have a fall roster, and you start implementing your your schemes, which you normally would in the spring. You're trying to do that in the in the fall while teaching fundamentals, while evaluating where these guys can play football at this level. Right. And Tucker's philosophy on recruiting in the roster is he wants you to look like Alabama or Georgia looks you want big physical body types. Strong yep. body types. And I think that's, it's okay. Well, that's, that's not too bad. His point, he has a good point though. He's like, you see a guy five, nine, that's going to play safety and he hits hits out of the gym and you think, Oh, he might be the next honey badger. And Tucker says, yeah, maybe the one out of hundred times he's the honey next honey badger. And he, he's a star, but the other 99 times you're going to get burned. And if you take enough chances like that, you end up in right. a too, too small two weak roster, et cetera. And it, kind of tacitly admitting, D'Antonio took too many guys oh, that liars. made plays. Yeah. yeah, you know, too many five eleven linebackers, too many five foot nine DBs, and so they had twenty. They but Tucker didn't know that until they actually played in the fall. So you have this hodgepodge of rosters, um, no chance to hit the transfer portal because you don't even know what's what's out there, what you even have, or what you need, um, and then the Big Ten shuts down. So then they go back to winter conditioning drills, like, okay, I can still work with the team. We're not going to have a season. We're going to treat it like we would spring. Okay. Get our spring back. Well, three weeks later, they're like, okay, big Ten's back on again. You have four weeks to get ready. And it was just, I mean, a preparation nightmare. So they come out, they play Rutgers, which is, you know, I think we can all know it's like, you know, the Kansas of the, the Kansas of the, the East of the Mississippi. Um, and they commit not one, not two, not three, but seven turnovers in that game, plus turning over on downs two more times, and they uh-huh. lose to Rutgers like thirty-seven to twenty-one or something. Just, just 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 hurts your soul to say as as a fan. And the team looks disjointed and sloppy and just terrible. And people are like, oh, you know, uh, you know, six million dollars for this, you know, it's like okay, well, um, you have no. It looks like a team's not prepared. Well, what happens the next week, they go on the road to Michigan. I know no fans, and Michigan was 13th and just pounded right. a Minnesota team that was coming off a big record, and they win. And they don't just win. They commit no turnovers. They outgame Michigan. They outtime and possess them. I mean, they all across just, just beat them uh, flat out. And that got everyone's attention because, wait, right. wait, whoa. Wait, this team just, you know, in one week, you turn around, and then they go to Iowa, which is – discipline on, on steroids. Well, I guess probably not steroids anymore after their Ravagosis <laughs> scandal, but, um, I, oops, didn't say that. Um, but the, a, they get pounded a few times and then they come back after a, a unintentional bye week because I think Maryland or something had to, had to cancel because of COVID they play number eight Northwestern who just came right. off, you know, they're fighting Reese Davises and they were, uh, they've just beaten Wisconsin pretty handily and look to be very much in control of the big 10 West. And, which is great. And um, MSU again, plays a, a game that's clean and you're going, okay, that's great. And then they get smoked by Ohio state. And then the, the wheels kind of, they play Penn state tough for a half, whatever. Um, and then the, the, a real off season happens and Tucker just starts, for lack of a better term, making moves. Uh, sure. They brought, they broomed, not broomed, uh, 20 players transferred out. I think 14 transferred in, uh-huh. plus the recruiting class. And so they have like 34 new players on the roster this year versus last year. So on an 85-man scholarship roster, it's about 40% turnover in one year, which is incredible. Right. And because of the way the portal works, these aren't necessarily castoffs. Um, you know, uh, Quavarius Crouch starting linebacker from Tennessee who was a top 60 recruit at right. one point rivals we can say that name i think had them as the number one recruit in the country um as a running back and he was starting linebacker for tennessee he's on state's roster um you know kenneth walker who was a maybe not a starter at wake forest but certainly a big part of the rotation productive college player he comes in uh they took Jarrett horst who's a starting left tackle from arkansas state who went juco to arkansas state and um, lincoln riley recruited him to go to oklahoma um, the, for this year and state, it, Tucker's supposed to be this great relentless recruiter out recruits him, you know, six six three ten, And all of a sudden you're, you pick up, you know, half a dozen, literally half a dozen starters in one right. off season, you know, the different team. The, yeah. Two of the top three cornerbacks are from Florida and Alabama. And that doesn't mean that they're, it doesn't mean that they're starting quality at their schools. But for a upgrades, team like MSU, yeah. they're upgrades. And so the team isn't perfect by any means. They're not a playoff contender. They're not probably not a, even a, an 8 win contender. But to go from a two-win squad up that the talent is, you know, the, the talent was clearly upgraded. Uh, the other thing he did was, um, and this is, this is much less interesting to your fan base, um, he took the number one high school coach in Michigan who, was in a, who played at the University of Michigan and brought him on the staff. Okay, and so at Cast Tech, um, which had produced a lot, produced right. a lot of talent. It's Thomas right. Wiltshire comes in uh, to MSU. I mean that that's something that you just would never have seen. Um, and he brought in um, Wisconsin's director of player personnel when they got Graham Mertz and were recruiting at that you know top twenty level. Okay. This is the guy that was behind it. He said, "You know, I have twelve assistants under with with in Tucker's program. Wisconsin gave me three. That's right. the, the that's the level of dedication. Uh, the recruiting is picked up. It's in the top twenty right now. Um, in a way that it'll probably end up in the top thirty. But for a team coming off the record they're coming off of, um, right, he's, he's really he's – really, there's been a lot of positive off-season development that people are getting excited about, so on and so forth. Um, and so then the question is, what's going to come this fall, right? Because talk, talk is cheap, and I've seen, you know, in my, in my fandom spanning now 20, you know, 20 solid adult years, um, there are plenty of rah-rah CEO coaches. You know, I think P.J. Fleck at Minnesota is one, James Franklin's one, um and and talks cheap and those types can sure. recruit very well i think tennessee i keep beating up on them i don't really like them uh but they go through they seem to go through you know their their share of carnival barkers that are you know we're bad you know butch jones and all this sure. and we, you know recruiting these giant great classes can't coach their way out on paperback you know they can sure. sell they, they can sell you know what is it you know selling ice cream to an eskimo or whatever the phrase is um but they aren't they aren't going to be able to put the put a coherent roster in place or at least give up control to quality assistance to allow that to go forward. Um, and what's been good so far is that the first two games for MSU look like a well-coached, coordinated team. Um, right. he, Tucker's philosophy is not just on the size of recruiting. Um, he doesn't want a team that beats itself. Um, MSU, the last couple of years under D'Antonio, had a little bit of a personal foul issue, late hit out of bounds, roughing the quarterback. Um, halfway through the year last year, we had a nickelback named, uh, um, I wanted to call him Shannon Brown, but he played for the Lakers. She's for, for secure Brown. Sorry. She's tired. Um, and and he, he led the team with five interceptions, led the big 10 with five interceptions. One of the best playmakers in the defense. Well, he gets a, he gets a tackle or something and then gets called for unsportsmanlike and he literally the best player on the defense and tuck yanks him for a series because he's not going to let that, you you know, you just stopped him on third down that you gave it back to them. You can't, you can't, you can't afford to make those mistakes. So through two games, there's been two turnovers and they've both been fumbles by, you know, third or fourth stringers late in the game. You know, there hasn't, there really hasn't been much in the way of interceptions. Um, There's been two, two total offsides penalties. Uh, ironically enough, both lining up in the neutral zone, which is kind of funny, uh, but uh, but for the most part, you're not. So seeing, the
0: discipline is improving.
1: It's improving, and you're seeing a a the the defense looks like, really the offense actually looks coherent. right It looked like like okay, this is your philosophy. This is how you're setting up the run. This is how you're setting up the pass. This is how you're working the intermediate. This is why you why you're running the re option. It it it, it, it gels. Defense is still more of a work in progress, but at least I can see the they run a four-two-five or a forty nickel. Um, It's eh, whatever you want to call it these days. You have that you know hybrid position safety linebacker. You know for MSU it's number seven Michael Dowell. He's you know six-one-two-fifteen. Is that a linebacker nowadays? Is a safety? Who knows? Um, They run that.
0: If I had to pin you down and say this is the you know. You got to pick just one thing, but this has sure. been the most pleasant surprise about this Michigan state team through two games. What, what would you highlight?
1: Uh, offensive line play. Okay. Um, MSU has had consistently an horrific offensive line. If you look at pro football focus or seeing the other, you know, the SP plus ratings or whatever the other metrics are like, we're talking 116th, 121st, right. you know, what they call adjusted line yards, which is. How far does your you know? How far could a, a running back get based on how the blocking set up? Um, you know, and through two games, they're averaging 299 yards on the ground. They've given up a total of of a sack a game, uh, okay. both 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 in the opener and one one was the quarterback's fall for the long ball too long. That that has allowed MSU has consistently for for 20 plus years had enough be or above level skill players receivers and receiving those running backs guys that can run and catch um but the offensive line has really held them back for most of the last 15 or 20 years consistently the weakest position on the team uh and that so far looks to be moving in the right direction
0: would you say it's the the tackles are the strength because when you watch, like just watching uh you know kenneth walker's long runs right it seems like you know Anecdotally, it seems like he's mainly going to the edges and getting around the corner, uh, breaking those long runs.
1: Yeah, and I think he's certainly making the line look even better than it is. Okay. And I don't want—I don't want to make them sound like it's you know Orlando Pace they're just out there. Better than, they're than not, you expected. They're better than I expected. They're probably yeah. a B minus right now. Okay. And I think I think Walker really is an A. He's an A player. I mean, I'm watching him make cuts and moves, and the way he's setting setting up his blocks. I mean, he's really making the most out of it, but um strength would be the left side of the line uh horse left tackle and then the left guard jd duplaine uh who was a a high three-star guy from ohio that um was one of urban meyer's last like late offers and try to flip him
0: um okay.
1: about three years ago um you know six four three oh five can pull can block i think he's got like a top 10 grade on on pro football focus on on pass blocking so far right. through the year um i think he's graded out as msu's best lineman in in plus yes. overall um i think last year just to give you perspective the highest graded pro football focus guy for the msu offensive line was like a 67 which is terrible <laughs> and duplane has got like an 80 well, miami now. would be happy with that grade but yeah. Well, I don't know. I think your, your line, your line's coming around. Don't, don't, don't fault yourself for playing Bama and thinking that, but um, yeah. So L- tell left, me left, left, go left. That's that's what he that's, was doing. That's, that's Kenneth left. Walker
0: was doing that against Northwestern, right? So mm-hmm. I think he started the game with a 75 yard touchdown Went yep. to the left. I think there was a, you know, it was maybe inside the 10, maybe just outside the yeah. 10 Bounced it left. So clearly he knows, or, you know, yeah. the play calling knows yeah. go left. So go left. Okay. tell me about, uh, cause you know, Kenneth Walker, I think it's just obvious. He's a stud, right? right? You, right. Everyone can watch the highlights. The guy who surprised me, Peyton Thorne is kind of better. The quarterback mm-hmm. he's better than I expected. And, and look, I had no, I had no expectations about how good he would be. Right. But just watching him a little bit, he's better than I thought he'd be. And honestly, Tell me this, too, because, you know, look, I don't follow Michigan State football at all. Right. So when I heard Anthony Russo was transferring in, Mm -hmm. I just assumed the guys, you know, he was a temple starter, started many games there. I just assumed he's going to transfer to Michigan State because he's going to be the starter. Was it surprising to you that Peyton Thorne won the job?
1: Mm. No, because I had been on the thorn bandwagon since last year. Um, I think the, the board was kind of split 50-50, you know, our fan base kind of 50-50. Because 50, same philosophy, right? You know, you don't bring in a three-year starting right. quarter, senior quarterback if he's not going to start. But I kept saying the one thing I like about, not one thing I like, I like a lot about Tucker. He's done a lot to make this fan base really buy in. And there's a lot of energy in the fan base with him. Um, best players play period um he'll he'll bench a for instance um msu returned their middle linebacker from last year noah harvey he's barely played because a redshirt freshman cal halliday's better and he starts in his place and he's like second on the team in tackles or something um so when that came in it was really because the last year's nominal starter rocky lombardi was terrible he's now the quarterback at northern illinois he he was was bad he was, he was bad. really bad. He was really bad. I don't know how I mean he threw for 10 yards an attempt and attempted three touchdowns against Michigan, which tells you a lot about Michigan uh, more than it does him. Um, but Thorne is one of our, our Stephen Brooks, our, our beat writer called him a game manager plus. And I think that's a pretty accurate I way agree with of that. saying it. It's like, okay, you know, it makes sense because he's not just a conservative, make the safe throw guy. He can get around the edge and he'll make, he'll make throws that are like, oh, that, that was a 15 yard out over the back shoulder, you know, back shoulder fade timed Well on the sideline. He's not doing it consistently. He's only a redshirt sophomore, and he only started one game last year. And this is probably – I mean, obviously, you don't, why would you watch MSU versus Penn State last year, you know, a two-and-four team versus a four-and-four four team or whatever Penn State was. Um, but they do have – the Nittany Lions have a, usually a fantastic secondary or a very sure. good one, and uh, Thorne went off in the second quarter through three touchdown passes and okay. – we're talking rainbows and double coverage, like right pinpointing. I mean, just, it just was on. And then they, you know, sent, uh, you know, their, their first round draft pick defensive ends at him. And uh, right. that was that cause he was only a retro freshman, but I said, look, you know, all you're looking for on a guy's first starter flashes, especially when they're that young. And that showed me, so that showed me a ceiling or at least a young ceiling. Um, his dad's a longtime coach, I think at a D two school or d3 school or something like that here so he grew up in the sport or maybe he's a high school coach I, he's probably might know that better um but he played high school football with Jaden reed who's msu's right. best best receiver and they actually reed had been committed to western michigan was a freshman all-american transfers to michigan state and then thorn had been committed to western michigan and Antonio had pursued uh I think it was CJ Stroud, honestly, or maybe it was someone else. And um, in the class before, I think I'm getting the classes mixed up, uh, missed out on everyone. Like, okay, this kid looks like he can throw, throw the ball a little bit and, you know, be at least someone we could, we could maybe use um, comes to state. And um, kept hearing as a, as a freshman, he was kind of too skinny in 2019. And then last year, um, like, okay, let's give him a try. And then he showed enough for me to think, okay, natural progression for a red shirt sophomore, having a little bit of experience I, I think he can be a B I call him like a B player. I think right now. And I think that's where he's at.
0: And- Tell me this. Cause when I watch him, right. You know, I'm not saying he's, he's not comfortable throwing from the pocket, but to me, he seems most dangerous on like rollouts. Like when he's outside the pocket, he will, he keeps his eyes downfield. He's athletic enough to pick up scrambling arts. He doesn't really do it. Um, but he will get outside the pocket and find receivers downfield. Would you agree with that? Or would you push back on that?
1: No, I think that's, I think that's accurate. Um, it's, it's a part of his game. I, he's, he's an evolving quarterback. This is only going to be his fourth start. So I think part of it is, and because there was, there was a real quarterback contra, uh not controversy, but competition. competition um, yeah. So he's split in first team reps. And I think people were a little nervous the first game. I think he completed 60% of his passes you know, 185 yards, a touchdown, and he had 25 yards on the ground, um, which was nice. You know, 200 yards total offense, you know, didn't turn it over, kind of handled the game. Um, and, but he's really a, um, he's just over, a, he's a solid runner. He's certainly not, Dar- right. you know, Derek King. He's not a right. Denard Robinson or anything like you that. You have to respect it. You have to respect it and he can escape pressure and and keep, keep a play alive. And I think that's, and, and he's heavy enough. And I give him credit for this. He doesn't quite have the arm talent yet to pull it off on the run, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes, you know, fall. I'm just saying that there's a style of play several levels above where he's at, but he, but you see that you see those elements. And I, I think he's probably, he's probably most effective when he's, he doesn't have to think too much as a young player, you let him get in a couple of quick throws, state will go tempo and even in the rollout, but like just, he's got a feel for the game. Some people just kind of have it as football players and he has it. Um, I know that's not really a tactical answer, oh, but, yeah. that, but but that, that's what you see. Someone that's got a feel for what's going on. And, and one thing that's been impressive is that he's been willing to throw it away rather than extend a play too long. Yeah, He protects the ball. Yeah, he does. And so that's, so it's been, it's been encouraging and that helps a lot.
0: Defensively, you know, tell us what we need to know in terms of like maybe the strength or the weakness of of that side of the ball.
1: So it's been a um so the name of my podcast is the press quarters podcast because MSU ran a press quarter system, meaning your corners are up under D'Antonio, corners are up right. tight. It's very aggressive. It's basically a cover one all the time. Um safeties are playing only nine yards back from the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's it's a it's an aggressive run stopping. It allows you to really have nine in the box on almost every play um and you dare someone to hit a slot fade over you is basically the right. that's that's that you know to run and running in the i mean it, there's just never been i mean msu was like top five and run defense for like six straight years or something um the evolution away from that they they did the one guy um tucker didn't bring from colorado was Scotty Hazleton, who was the defensive coordinator at Kansas State, and had a lot of experience with the Big Twelve spread. So he's got this four-two-five modified to you know modern what I call maybe a modern four modif- modern four-two-five. That's a lot more cover three and a lot more um, bend don't break with the idea that with spread offenses, just don't give up the big backbreaking play. And then eventually right. the offense will make a mistake. Um, ironically enough, that's what Iowa runs. They just sure. run it better with better, with more, you know, people are more established in the system. It's almost the exact opposite of what the guys had been taught under D'Antonio. And especially last year, you saw a lot of people that were doing, I, I, honestly, the D line was doing uh, Tucker run fits and the linebackers were doing Antonio run fits and giant holes were opening up in the middle because people are going the wrong way. Um, less, less of that, but they're still getting used to the system. Uh, there just, hasn't been a lot of time. I think it's really been implemented. So you're really seeing a year one of a true defensive philosophy change. And it's sure. been okay. Um, I don't like it because in the big, I think the big 10 offenses don't warrant a bent. Ben uh, don't break except for right. like Ohio state and what point and yeah, you, at this do. point, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, they do maybe Penn state. Um, but when you're playing a Wisconsin or an Iowa or, you know, some of the bigger, stronger right. teams, you stopping the run and having those guys in the box. I mean, oftentimes you got six in the box against five linemen and a, and a running back one guy missing and you're toast and God forbid you pull a tight end around or an H back, right. um, you know, in a pro style look and then you can get gashed up the middle. Um, and that's been, you know, seeing the opponents run up the gut on MSU is not something I'm used to seeing. I see it more than I'd like to so far. Okay. The flip side is that the D line is actually pretty good, uh, particularly okay. the tackle. Tackles are good. Um, uh, they go five, they rotate, they play, they've played, I think, 10 or 11 defensive linemen in each of the first two games. Rotating regularly, liberally, um, they play. There are five linebackers that aren't redshirt or that aren't true freshmen. They all play almost <laughs> yeah. every game, uh, so they do. Because Tucker's trying to get game reps and game experience in the system, I would expect a tighter rotation against Miami. And I think part of the breakdown are that there's so many. There's been so much change up front um, in that in that front seven or front six. Uh, the back five, counting the nickel as a defensive back, they don't really they don't rotate quite as much. So there's a little more coherentness, I guess, in the secondary, but it's still a bend do break in Northwestern. Dinked and dunked. I mean, only like six and a half yards the attempt, which is pathetic. Okay. But he got completed seventy percent of his passes because everything was open underneath. Um, tackling is good, though. I would say They're, they'll allow completion, but not a lot of yards after catch. That's been okay. encouraging too. So it, the defense is definitely a work in progress. I don't know what Hazleton's D will look like when it's done, but it's not done. That it's not it's not in its final form right now. What do you
0: feel like is the weak point of the defense? Like from when you would look at Miami and you're like, okay, this, this concerns me maybe with what Miami can do.
1: Um, So it's going to be the lack of a pass rush. There is not an organic bend the edge pass rusher on the roster, um, or at least not that if there's a true freshman, I haven't seen him play yet in that capacity. Hold on. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, so because of that quarterbacks have had too much time on third and long, um, you know, teams like to rush for drop seven or, you know, maybe bring a linebacker, but still it's five on five against a mobile quarterback a guy that can get outside. Um, that's really worrisome. I, you know, King is a, is a playmaker. I, you know, I watched, yeah. you know, I watched him. Pick up some pretty backbreaking, you know, third and elevens, third and tens against Appalachian State, or even second and nine, where you'd run for eleven or so, or fifteen or something, um, just enough to keep the chain moving. Um, And he's got a he's got a strong arm; he can flick it downfield. Um, cornerback play they brought in Ronald Williams from Alabama and everyone was very excited for him you know 6'2, 195 learned from Saban and he got picked apart by Northwestern which was really disappointing to see couldn't pinpoint the ball just I mean he had come off a of collarbone injuries first live game action really since 2019 so I kind of get it but still really Kind of disheartening so they turned last game to Chester Kimbrough the Florida transfer right Uh, as one starting corner in, in place of Williams and he played much better I think he allowed like two catches for 12 yards and um but the other corner Kalen Girvin uh was a, one of the few top 150 recruits on the roster uh you know 511 195 is you know runs runs probably in that 4-4 to 4-5 range pretty fast I mean for our world at least um he also has issues he's a pretty good tackler, but he's making tackles because he's allowing completions, which is really frustrating. So getting off the field, I mean, I think they're allowing like 42% of third downs converted against them or 40%. And it's just, it's just too much. They're on the field too long. Uh, First and second down defense, strong, really strong actually. And really first and second down run defense are strong, but they get in, they are not good at short yardage. They are not getting, it's weird because they get good penetration on first and second down. And then, you know, if it's third and two, teams are running are able to, to decrease to them just enough to get three yards um, or four, you know, I think Youngstown state was four or five on fourth down. And so was, um, I think Northwestern was four or five or four or six. And they're usually fourth and threes or letter less. And they're usually just run plays or quarterback sneaks. And they just can't quite get that last push to get off the field. So that is against athletes like you have in the heat. That's going to be down there. I, I kind of worry about those, then brake no break drives, just breaking because they just, they just wear out.
0: I do wonder, cause just, you know, and you know what good cornerback play looks like at Michigan state, yeah. right? Um, they've, they've had some really good corners over the years. I don't know, like this, just watching the Northwestern game, they don't necessarily look like the, the fastest cornerback group. Would you push back on that?
1: The, the speed of that bunch? Does that they're pretty. You? They're pretty fast. Um, okay. They're uh, what happened on the So there were, there were two long completions against Northwestern um, one, the safety, what, what looks like a cornerback getting burned is the safety didn't pick up the receiver and the cornerback okay. made up, made up the time. And so that's so just to indicate okay. the speed. That was one of them. Uh, the other one was a, was Ronald Williams getting burned. And that had to do with being a mismatch. I mean, he's a, big stronger corner right. he got put on a five foot ten 180 slot guy and it just it the guy was just he was actually just faster uh right. so you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily put williams on you know charleston rambo or right. you know one of the you know you, you pick, pick pick your matchup. you know if you've got a you know a, a you know six, six six three two ten pound you know possession receiver maybe i'd give williams a shot you right. know but they're both i mean kimbrough's six foot 190 and Gervins 5, you know, 195. They're pretty, they're, they're pretty solid. Okay. Um, but they're, they're not going to look, they're not, they're not first round picks either. Don't get me wrong.
0: Right. 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 Um, and this, yeah, ball skills. this, this game's probably going to be close, right? And, and so specialists matter in, in those type of games. How's Michigan state's kicking and, and punting game?
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's been, it, I honestly a, don't know. It's I haven't Oh no, it's, it. It. it's not great. Um, okay. so the, uh, Special teams are so the linebacker coach is also the special teams coach, and those are the two positions I've got probably been hardest on or most nervous about going into the year. Um, they did let Mike Trussell go to Cincinnati in the offseason, and so you know it just makes me really nervous. So, special teams, um, the starting kicker, Matt Coughlin, uh, is a Coughlin, geez, listen to me. Um, he he's now handing kickoff duties and he was okay. He's okay. But if the kick short, the coverage units are not, are, are not, are, are no bueno period. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a frustrating issue for, for years. Uh, I saw it against Northwestern a little bit. Um, and I think all the Youngstown state kickoffs went at the end zone, which is important. Um, the punting, the punter is pretty good. Bryce Behringer is a fifth year senior. I think he was like 47 yards a punt against Northwestern. Okay. Uh, but, but did it, but I think he did outkick his but he outkicked his coverage once. And that's where you're seeing the you know the transfers come in and the, the roster upgrade, but the depth isn't there. And that really shows up on special teams. Um they have to use, you know, Jaden Reed is the 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 starting receiver, you know, starting receiver, and he's the start he's punt returner. And then Jalen Naylor, who's the other starting receiver, the two kind of the tandem there that that's, you know, we think are, are pretty darn good players. Uh, he's the kick returner because there isn't that speedy right. freshman that could just take it, you know, and take those hits and stuff. And I'd like to see that actually, hopefully with this game, I'd like to not see the stars be expended because there's only so much depth that MSU has, um, right. which is, you know, remarkable in a short period of time, but not to where it needs to be. So, um, and I know your punters, fantastic. Uh, You got a freshman kicker that could apparently. They're both good
0: specialists, I think. And and against Appalachian State, I liked what Tyreek Stevenson did at punt return. Kick return, I don't, I mean, it just seems like they're not even trying, quite frankly. So I don't know what to read into that. They just kind of take it at the 25.
1: So What, um, what happened on that kickoff return against App State?
0: Yeah, they said, you know, the the coaches basically said uh some guy I, they're playing a lot of freshmen right on, on those kick coverage units yeah. and instead of uh spilling him they wanted to spill him inside and they they spilled him outside to the sideline and he is yeah. a legit returner that guy oh like, i know he, he's one of the fastest guys in the country so he had a lane and then you know too Uh, the special teams coordinator brought up how, and look, it's hard to criticize a kicker for not being able to tackle, but he, I saw that (laughs) he at least needs to affect the returner. Right. Make him cut inside. Um, and he said, if, if, if the kicker at least makes him cut inside, they tackle him at the 40 yard line. And, you know, that's better than giving up the touchdown, of course. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was mainly just freshmen, um, Making freshman mistakes, uh, kind of not understanding their jobs yet.
1: Well, you can rest easy that that will not happen against Michigan State. It wouldn't matter. Uh, if you make a mistake, they might get the ball to the 26th instead of the And MSU hasn't had a return touchdown of any kind since 2014. It's a kick okay. return, and they haven't had a punt return since 2011. It's been literally okay. a decade since we've had it. So I wouldn't – I don't think they're going to start now. Um, I, don't, I, I just don't think that's going to – that's in the cards. Um, what they do have, and I, I didn't – and I, I know I've probably gone over, but just to – tell the go. listeners um a, i went through the defense the offensive scheme is kind of what i call a, just a kind of classic current modern spread it's 11 personnel one tight end one running back um they are not applauding big 10 uh six offensive linemen. wisconsin right. team this is much more it's not a finesse offense either i mean the o-line is I think the skinniest guy is like 305 and most of them are old, like 315. I mean, they're, they're big, big beefy guys and, and playing pretty well, uh, you know, right tackle six, seven, 320. Um, so, you know, not small. Um, but they are, you know, one cut running instead of, um, yeah. you know, instead of power, I, they do use an H back, uh, like in lieu of a tight end, but it's kind of the same thing, right? Just lined up in the backfield. Um, former running back Connor Hayward, uh, uh, is, is playing that position. He's interesting because he was a running back. He's six foot three right. thirty five. um, arguably the best hands on his team, on the team. He's got very, very f- like freakishly long arms for his size. So he looks like he's six two, even though he's six foot. Um, and he's thrown some really strong blocks. So the edge blocking there, it, you get some powerful ball out of a spread formation, but they'll go tempo. They are not going to use 38 seconds on the clock. Um, they are going to look downfield. One thing that surprised me, you can tell me if this is part of Diaz's philosophy. I mean, I barely saw any downfield passing from either team against Appalachian State. I mean, is that just not something that you guys do? Or is, that, is the defense designed to take that away? Or
0: You're saying Miami took away App State's?
1: Both, both sides of the ball. Both sides didn't throw the ball down, barely threw the ball downfield. I saw almost no deep shots. Everything was underneath.
0: I think... So in terms of Miami's defense, right? App State's quarterback, Chase Bryce, right. really, guy. really struggles with pressure. And so oh. I think the App State game plan was to get the ball out super quick. Mm-hmm. And so he did that all game long. Didn't, you know, nullified Miami's pass rush. Um, so I think that, you know, they, they hit a little deep post uh, late in the game. Uh, Miami... You know, I think what they connected on maybe one deep shot to Keyshawn Smith, number five. For five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, I will say this, it is a phase of the offense. It's like the one thing, honestly, that they've improved on from last year. Because last year, they couldn't connect on any. They just couldn't connect on them. (laughs) This year, at least, if they don't connect on them, they've been picking up some pass interference penalties. So I agree. And and I will say this too, App State honestly was playing a ton of drop eight. And so it was kind of – and that's why you saw in the second half, Derek kind of just say, I'm going to run the ball a lot. You know, Um, so they took away the deep – they tried to take away the deep shots a lot. To me, the, the disappointing thing was, you know, when you drop eight, and those quick passes are there, the wide receivers couldn't make that first tackle miss and then pick up right. yards after the catch. So to me, that's a big area that they need. And you're saying, you know, Michigan state will play kind of bent, but don't break. They're going to need to do that this week, right? They're going to need to make a guy miss.
1: Yeah. Um, and state's got pretty good safeties. Um, yeah, Xavier, 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 Yeah. Yeah. Xavier Henderson is probably going, he, uh,
0: he's an NFL guy.
1: He, yeah. And he said that before the year that he wanted this, this is, it would be his uh, true senior year, even with, without the even the, this is his fourth year period, absolute terms of the program. And so I thought he'd be back next year, but he said before the year he wants to make this his last year. And he was been, he's been solid, but I didn't think he was an NFL player. Right? last couple of games I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay, well better, better enjoy him while we can. He's really taking it seriously. Uh, just very just good. I think he's, he's a mid round guy, like a maybe a fourth or fifth rounder. But I mean, it's a quality quality yeah. player back there, so it'll be interesting. I think the big plays are really going to. I think this game is going to turn on big plays. This doesn't this doesn't have the feel of a methodical, grind it out out. Yeah, I was going to ask
0: you, like, nice. what do you think this game will look like? Because I think the over under indicates the game might be what in the twenties. Twenties. I think I wouldn't be surprised if hey. this game's in the thirties. Yeah, you know? it's where I I'm think... feeling.
1: Hey. Yeah, What I'm seeing from what I've seen so far from Miami is that you have you have a lot of athletes on both sides of the ball. I, I watched I think you have a defensive end number 33. I think he looked him up. He's a freshman or redshirt freshman. Yes. And um, I watched him just make a, a terrible misjudgment, but then recover in a way. I'm just like, how does a kid move like that? Yeah,
0: he's very either- athletic.
1: very athletic but doesn't really know what he's doing yet um which is okay and and i saw i've seen your linebackers you know several uh several several app state runs i saw two linebackers in the same hole and things i'm like okay well you can exploit that but then the flip side is i see i mean just speed speed on the outside i see you know um your your running back is a is a workhorse player i mean cameron um cameron t- harris Yep. harris uh, he he can move king can king is is fast i mean he's fast and he's gonna be the first true mobile well no they, they played a they played a dual threat against youngstown state but that doesn't i mean that doesn't count um and so i can see this kind of trading big yeah, broken plays, but where I think that potential you know, is there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think where maybe your team discipline breaks down and Walker or Nigler or Reed or someone hits a big play Um and where MSU just doesn't have, you know, maybe, the, maybe you have Rambo just get behind a corner because he's, he's very fast and got, and our guys are maybe just fast. Um, and, and if you get out an athlete, I think MSU can kind of, you kind of live with that. I think the big difference in the game is, is Miami, at least from my, what I've seen has a pass rush and really gets behind the line of scrimmage. Um, MSU hasn't really faced a D line. This, I will say talented, your D tackle number one, I, I didn't I think Silvera, That's Silvera. That, yep. Yeah. That's the Jade that Silvera. Yep. Kid can play. I mean, that's good against App State. He yeah. was. And um it, that kind of I it's hard to trust MSU's offensive line you know, this is a real, real, t- if they do well, I'll, I'll be, I'll be on their bandwagon the rest of the year and offensive line coach better make a million bucks. Um, but I, I, that's where I kind of see the difference. I think, I think you're more, your D your pressure is more likely to affect Thorne than MSU is going to be able to get to King. That's, okay. kind, of my, that's kind of my concern the key, there.
0: The key to the game, you think? Yeah, I
1: think, I think I'm kind of meandering my way to, to a key to the game. I think that's yeah. really, that's, that's where I think your biggest strength is right now. And based on what I saw um, for MSU, I think it's it's been the execution and discipline and the ability to, the few times they've had negative plays, forget about them. So even if they do take a, I, I don't think MSU has a glass jaw, which is why I think in the 30s or high 20s or something, I would see it much more, you know, trading, you know, trading blows. But, you know, who knows? I mean, MSU's only turned it over twice, only forced one turnover. So, you know, that, that can make a, a close game seem pretty silly. Uh, at the end, but I think between the, between the, between the tackles, um, you know, I, or between the, between the hashes I'm looking at, a, a, a Miami's got more raw talent. I would say MSU's probably better coordinated, um, overall, I think, you know, MSU has a pretty clear philosophy on both sides of the ball. We were talking before the podcast, it's really kind of hard to understand what your offensive play calling is. The plays don't seem to build on each other or have yeah. a, and and you're kind of getting by on athletic ability alone. And so MSU, if they win, it'll be out execution and out discipline. Um, and, and look, give state credit. This is not a team, merry team of two stars. I mean, they got right. uh, 15, 15, 18, certainly. they got some guys that can play. Um, so, so that's why it's going to be a good game. I think, you know, I think the, the rankings are yes, probably absolutely. pretty accurate. I think yeah. you're, I think we're both borderline top 25 teams this year, you know, maybe eight win outfits, at least our starters as they are healthy today um, are that quality. And and so it should be a good game. I mean, I think you give the edge to the veteran quarterback and the home team. I mean, that's if, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm looking at this objectively, which I'm not because I'm a fan, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> from a Miami perspective,
1: know. right. I think,
0: and, and the fan base is wanting to know how this goes as well. Like, will the offense click? Cause I think you're exactly right about what's the identity of this offense right now. Um, I, 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 can't pinpoint one at the moment, but I do think, I do think, you know, they've been playing at like a C minus level, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if they take a step forward and play it at a B level, you know, mm-hmm. that would be, and I think that's an attainable jump because they were, they were shooting themselves in their own foot against mm-hmm. App State a lot of times with, with penalties and, and uh, you know, missed just missed blown yeah. assignments on the offensive line. So we'll see if they can take that it, step. if not, Michigan State it will win this game I think. so I, I think, think that's- they're spot on.
1: Yeah, I think that's accurate. I do think your your special teams edge shouldn't be discounted, though it's a little less of an issue for this kind of Michigan State team that's got the big playability to be backed up the same way App State was. I mean, really making App State go 80 plus yards right. is a little different. And not saying that MSU will get it all the time, but State's more likely to be able to pull off a 37-yard yes. run or pass to, to kind of flip it back. Um, I do think uh one thing that's that's kind of interesting and i'm very curious about the turnovers because MSU is, is not been as aggressive as they as i think they want to be um and i wonder if that gets changed in this game if yeah. they if they start to bring it a little harder um and they kind of cut down that the rotation a little bit you see a little bit better communication but um, yeah i mean it, it, it's a it's an intriguing game i wish that you guys could come back for a home series up in east lansing uh preferably in november That would have been snowing. fun last year yeah 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 well, right <laughs> like <the> cold weather <laughs> we were joking when the, when the season got delayed maybe we get you guys up here for thanksgiving and, and, and <laughs> right. see, see see how you guys like 20 and, and and blowing winds but um no i i um i've really enjoyed interacting with your fan base um you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with your coach. I know he's kind of in, embroiled right now. I think, I think fans tend to value offense over defense, and I think your defense is probably pretty dang solid overall. They I'm haven't still... been
0: the problem this year. It's been the no. offense, right? So, so you're still and one, and one. Miami entered this year with expectations, and so yeah. that's always tough, right? When, when you're not jump going out of the gate, meeting those expectations you got to get the fans back on board with results. So
1: we'll see if they can start
0: yeah. doing that this week.
1: We'll see, we will see. Well, I, I I, just hope, you know, honestly, both teams play hard, no injuries to anyone. Uh, and you know, that's I just, see some good classic football. Definitely.
0: Andrew, I want to thank you again, man. You were great. Uh, definitely informed everyone, all the listeners about Michigan State. I'm excited for this game, man. It's a big game for both yeah. programs and uh should be a fun watch again check andrew's workout at the press quarters podcast he said uh he's going to record his pod i believe tomorrow, tomorrow right
1: tomorrow night and so it'll be posted on uh we're on itunes and soundcloud it'll be up on tomorrow night or thursday morning
0: okay so check out his work there uh andrew again thank you man appreciate the time absolutely
1: thank you for having me